0: Again, I do want to say how appreciative a pastor and all that he has done for me. And I don't know where I would be without Pastor Riggin. And I owe him a lot. <clears throat> and I appreciate all that he has taught me, shown me. And, um, and then I also appreciate the opportunity that he is affording me, even this evening. Amen. I to minister to you all. Amen. I truly have a burden for this church. I have a love for this people and this congregation and this city. And I, and uh, obviously I grew up here. And so that's where a lot of that can probably be pointed to. Amen. But, um, Amen. That's where, that's, that's why Pastor has asked me to come and help is because of that uh, love for you all. And so I want you to know I love you. Okay? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6. <clears throat> amen. <clears throat> if you have it, say amen. amen. In Africa, they say amen. Amen. But we'll say amen. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, do not war after the flesh. <clears throat> For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Amen. Everybody say, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled amen amen if you uh if you lay down your bibles let's just ask the lord to help us in the remainder of the service i need the grace of god and you as well amen let's just ask the lord to help us in this service god we need your touch in this place Hallelujah, thank you Jesus, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you church, amen, you could be seated tonight, <clears throat> hallelujah, amen, in our text we read Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians and he tells them to cast down their imaginations and then he says and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of god amen there are some things some ideas and some imaginations that would like to present themselves as being greater amen than what we already know to be true amen amen there's some ideas out in the secular world and that, that would like to, to teach you and show you that they are something greater. They would like to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Amen. Amen. Friend, I'd like to remind you of a few things that we just know. That we know. Amen. We know God is one God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. Amen. hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. That's not one in three persons. That's not three in one persons. Amen. That is, that is absolutely and indivisibly one in number. Amen. Absolutely and completely one being. Amen. That is the one God we serve, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I mean, we know that this one Lord that we serve is a spirit. In John chapter 4, verse 24, it says, God is a spirit. We know this tonight. Amen. We know that God is one and that God is spirit a spirit he is not three persons in one amen friend amen if you have any questions about this i'd be happy to talk to you after service amen and and even set you up with a bible study amen but we believe in one god amen that his name is jesus that the god that the spirit that is god wrapped himself in flesh Amen I because he didn't have blood to shed for you and me. Amen. But that he wrapped himself in flesh and was born of a virgin, walked among this earth, walked on this earth, Amen, and shed his blood for you and me so that we could have salvation. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19 to it. God was in Christ. Amen. I the spirit was in the flesh, reconciling the world unto himself, not themselves. I know you've heard this message many, many times. Amen. But I'm just reminding you here for a moment of what you know. Amen. This is things we know. These are things that we know to be true. Amen. We stand on this truth. We stand on what we know. Hallelujah. We are standing on the truth of his word and that God, amen, was in Christ. Reconcile the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Only God could have done that for us. I mean, only the God of the universe that created you and me, that created the universe, could have done that for us. If you look into the Old Testament, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but in the Old Testament, there were ceremonies and rituals that the, that the priests would do for the sole purpose of reconciling the sin of the nation of Israel. Amen, there were a list of rules of do's and don'ts that that Israel would um, inevitably cross, and they would commit sin, amen, against the will of God. And so there was a process in place, uh, amen, the process of atonement, amen, and the sole purpose of that process was to reconcile that sin against the word and the will of God. Amen. Amen. And so, amen, for the entire world, amen, this same list of do's and don'ts applies, amen. But it wasn't just some lamb, amen, that was offered from the family, amen. But God himself wrapped himself in flesh, amen, and spilled his blood, his pure and holy, perfect, unblemished blood for you and me so that we can have salvation, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why, that's why. Amen I'm so grateful Amen to him First Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says without controversy great is a mystery of godliness God the spirit was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the gentiles believed on in the world received up in to glory Amen this is the god that we serve Hallelujah and this friend are things we know Amen Hallelujah. And then because of this, while God walked on the earth in the form of man, he established his church Upon an incorruptible foundation upon which the apostles, in direct obedience to his word, erected the apostolic church that we are a part of today. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners. Amen. Once uh, we were strangers uh, and foreigners. Amen. But because of Jesus, uh, amen, we as Gentiles uh, now have access, uh, amen, and our fellow citizens uh, with the saints uh, and the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Amen. In whom all the building fitly, fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are builded together. Everybody say together for inhabitation of God through the spirit amen we're all a part of a building project amen that God has been working on amen since the days of antiquity amen when Jesus stepped on earth and spoke the church into his existence just like he did the stars and just like he did amen this earth and the universe amen that we live in amen and are a part of today he spoke the church into existence in Matthew chapter 16 he said upon this rock I will build my church uh, and the gates of hell shall not uh, prevail against it. Amen. When Jesus spoke those words, uh, Amen. The church of the living God came uh, into existence. Amen. And we've been a part uh, of that church building project since then. Amen. That church, that building is built on the foundation of the word of God. The apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I mean, he's the thing, amen, that it's all, that supports it all. Amen. He's the thing, amen, that is, that is driving it all. Amen. He's the thing that it is all about. Amen. Hallelujah. We know, amen, we know, we know that we are part of an indestructible, uncorruptible church. Amen. If you and I put this thing together, it'd fall apart. I mean, I, I think some man did a study and talked about businesses, organizations that have been constructed. I think the longest living one was three, some 300 years. I don't have uh, sources for that right now. I can get it for you later on if you need it. But, but I remember reading that somewhere. Amen. That, that the longest living organization created and formed by man has lasted Merely 300 years. Amen. But this church that we're a part of, Amen. It's more than just the the 35 odd people that you see sitting in this sanctuary tonight. Amen. But this is an eternal organization. An entity formed and created by God himself. Amen. And by his authority, by his eternal authority, Amen. It maintains that eternal quality. Amen. And is indestructible. The gates of hell cannot. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Hallelujah. I mean, that means, friend, that means if you stay right here in the church. You're going to win. Wow, that was profound. If you make sure that you just stick around his church, the devil will not defeat you. As long as you're staying in the church. Now, if if you're not really sure, if you're kind of in and out and you're just riding the fence, so to speak, or You haven't really committed yourself to His church, and what does that mean? That means you're vulnerable. That means the gates of hell can prevail. Amen. You are not indestructible, but His church is. Amen. When you step outside of the umbrella of the church and the family of God, you make your you expose yourself to whatever. I mean, this isn't really even in my notes. I'm just... Jesus said that those that didn't receive a love for the truth, what did he do to them? He turned them over. Amen. What was it, Sister Rebecca? To a reprobate mind. Thank you, because I forgot. Amen. Amen. Because they didn't receive a love for the truth, it was God that turned them over to a reprobate mind. I mean, he exposed them, amen, to... To the detriment of what sin can do for, to them. Amen. But if we can stay in the church, the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Hallelujah. These are just things that we know. How many know that tonight? Okay. I like class participation, if you can't tell, because <laughs> that means that you're listening. Uh, and uh, I like it when people listen. <laughs> anyway, I'm probably messing around too much. Hey Amen. Those apostles that built the church per Jesus' direction, God gave them power. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, with, and great grace was upon them all as our example as we are apostolic we are apostolic everybody says I say I'm an apostolic now if you're not an apostolic we can help you and you can become an apostolic but I'm an apostolic and so when I read about the apostles and what they did in the scripture I mean I think wow I could do that because I'm an apostolic I'm a part of that same church I serve the same God that they serve, and so I, being an apostolic, know that I can with great power give give witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, just like they did in Acts chapter four. I know that great grace can be upon me because it was on the apostles. Amen. Hallelujah, and I and I've got an example here. Amen. They they also witnessed tremendous examples these are things that we know these are things i uh, mean that being uh, uh serving the one god that we serve and being a part of the church that we're a part of and being apostolic uh, like we are amen we can we can witness and we know that these things are what we are promised amen these are a part of things that we should know and if you don't know Amen. I mean go read the book of acts it'll give you some interesting revelations amen <laughs> amen but 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 I know, I know that I serve a mighty God. I know that, he, that His promises, amen, that have existed, amen, in the scripture, amen, to the apostle and to the New Testament church are for me today. I know that. Hallelujah. Amen, but just as our text read, amen, it, Apostle Paul, even in the early church, wrote to the Corinthians and says, You better cast down your imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against what you know about God. If you are not careful, Corinthians, if you're not, if you're not wary of this, there's some things that are going to attack your mind and, and come against what you know. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Amen, I believe believe the enemy has tried to to put some lies in your mind. Amen, about things that you know to be true about New Life Pentecostal Church. Things that you know that God has spoken to you directly about. Promises that he has made to you. And you ought to know it. You you ought to know it. Amen, but over over time, that idea, that revival, will be and that we'll see souls saved and has been attacked. That's been challenged by imaginations. We walk not in the uh, for though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imagination is every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I've withheld my title purposefully <clears throat> until this point. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about the sacrifice of obedience at the high place of knowledge. Amen. Obedience is not... Something that is always fun. Obedience is not something that is always enjoyable, necessarily. Amen. Amen, but it can be a sacrifice. And there are things, amen, that we know that that in our imaginations, or we think we know, I should say, in our imaginations, well, do you hear what so-and-so said about me? I know that she said it because I just I know her attitude. Or did did you hear do you hear this? And things that we think that we know are constantly pushing against what we really know. Our high places in our mind are constantly calling for another sacrifice. Amen. I the Old Testament, amen. I where the those altars were built, amen. I you can read about Jacob building altars and Abraham and uh, Isaac, and then and then later on, it became customary for them to build their altars in what the Bible refers to as a high place. And so every time they wanted to make an offering, they would make their way up to the high place. First Samuel chapter 9 talks about it. Ezekiel talks about the high places amen, that were in every street, that were in every way. Amen, that Israel had, had constructed these high places. Not always were they for God, for Jehovah. They were many times they were for false gods they would construct a altar on a high place, an elevated location that they would that when they went up to make their offering that people could see it was evident that okay, Jared is going to go make a sacrifice today They didn't even have to really know Jared they could just see him off in the distance, climbing the high place and going on top there, making his offering, and if they could identify him by 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 his, uh, by distance, then they would know who was doing it, and so if you could imagine with me, it could become a matter of prestige in that society that I'm going to go make an offering today, and I want everybody to see it. I'm going to the high place. In fact, if you read in First Samuel chapter nine, Amen. When when Saul was getting ready to be anointed king, Amen. He lost his his dad's his dad's donkeys ran away, and so he goes. Into uh, the, the city where Samuel was, that slips my mind at the moment. But he goes to where Samuel is, and he asks the city people, "So where's Samuel? Where's the prophet?" I said, "Well, he's up on the high place." And um, and he's like, and and then for some reason, the Bible tells or these people tell Saul that that there's also a lot of other people up there at the high place. And because what happens at the high place is Samuel makes an offering, and then. Uh, after the offering, they eat the, they eat the sacrifice. And then those people that are there, that are close to the prophet, the prophet will say, okay, Andrew, why don't you come up here and eat with me today? Because you're here. And he would just see somebody. And so later on, you could read in the first, the first part of it, First Samuel chapter 10, I think it is, that, that Saul is then invited up to eat with Saul, Samuel. And then Samuel anoints him king. Amen. Because they both went up to the high place together. And uh, it's an interesting thing, it's an interesting concept, but it's obvious to me, amen, by that reading, by understanding that, that it became a, a matter of, of pride, even, for these people to make their way to the high place and offer a sacrifice to God. And really, it wasn't in their heart. It didn't have to be. They could just go up to the high place and make the offering. And not really mean it. Everybody sees me worship. Everybody sees me make the sacrifice. Then I go on my way doing my own thing. The process of atonement that I talked about—they roll away the sin for another year, and then they—and then the next year they come on up to the high place and make sure it's—it's it's I'm living for God. I'm I please God. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that God is happy with me. I want to make sure that people know that I'm living for God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm gonna go to 1 Samuel chapter fifteen. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. These high places were constructed for sacrifice to God. And and because of being high, people saw saw them up there making their sacrifices. Amen. I'm not talking about a physical high place tonight. But what I am talking about is maybe a mental or a spiritual high place. Amen. I that that we can get to in our lives. I, I've been there. Amen. I I'm more concerned about the way I look than I am about what's actually going on in my relationship with God. I'm more concerned that I appear to be praising God. I'm more concerned that I. Well, look at me. I'm making another sacrifice. Look at me. I'm making I, I, the best of the best lambs that I have. Without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. I've taken the very best. and This is God's. And I'm offering it on my high place. And Paul warned the Corinthians. He says, you better cast your imaginations down. You better cast down those high places. You better tear that down. Because God's not looking for sacrifices in that way anymore. What he's looking for is obedience. What he's looking for is, is someone just to, God, I don't care what you want from me. Your, my relationship with you is so important. It's so valued in my life that I will obey to the nth degree, to whatever you want me to do, amen, if it's from God. Amen. I, I hope you're with me here tonight. <clears throat> I'll go to First Samuel 15 in just a minute. Amen. But Genesis chapter 4 says in verse 3, And in, pro- in, in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, An offering unto the Lord Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel, and to his offerings, but unto Cain, and to his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? What's wrong, Cain? What's the deal? Why are you so depressed? Why is your countenance fallen? Abel made the sacrifice. Cain made a sacrifice. So Cain, what's the problem? Verse 7 says, "If thou doest well," talking to Cain, "thou sh- shalt thou not be accepted." If you were, the word that I looked it up in the original, if thou doest well, implies that Cain had an understanding of what God was looking for. I mean, that statement that if you you would have just done well, implies that Cain knew what well was. He knew what was well and knew what was not. And so he chose to do what was not well. There's a lot of um, conjecture in this area that people say, well, you know, it's because he took the fruit and not the animal. But God had not really even made that law yet. Amen. So, I don't know what Cain did wrong here. But obviously, it was wrong. And obviously, Cain knew that what he was doing was wrong. But all he was concerned about was making the sacrifice. All he was concerned about was looking the part. Making sure his brother... I mean, there's not really a lot of people to impress on the earth at this time. It's mom, dad, and brother. But for some reason, I I don't know why, Cain decided that this is going to be good enough. And he didn't do well. And his sacrifice wasn't accepted. I want to tell somebody here tonight, amen, when you come to the house of the Lord and there's a constant oppression and fallen countenance. There is something perhaps that you're offering that is not being accepted. And I'm sorry if this is too heavy for you? If you have a problem with it, call pastor and let him know. I'm completely submitted to him. I don't know about you, but I want to do well. I want to do what's expected of me. In God's eyes. I want to do well. I want my sacrifices. If I'm going to go to the effort of making a sacrifice. Sister Larissa, if, I, if I'm going to go to the effort Going to church. Meeting all the standards. I want it to be well. I want it to be accepted. Otherwise, what am I wasting my time for? Why would I want to? Why would I want to do things that are against my own flesh? And really, this is a struggle between two things. We're either exalting our imaginations and ourselves against the knowledge of God or vice versa. God, the things that He wants us to do are being, rubbing up against us the wrong way. Amen. And we're either attuned to one or the other. Amen. If thou, I I love this verse, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? There's no question there. It's almost, it's it's almost an empty question. What's that thing that pastor says all the time? The question where the answer is assumed. Nobody knows. Rhetorical. Yeah, it's a rhetorical question. Thank you, Brother Dell. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? You know the answer. The answer is embedded in the question thou doest not well, he goes on to say, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. In the Old Testament, and I can go back to our text here just for a moment, that casting down Imaginations, you can, you can read later on in that story between Cain and Abel that, that Cain ended up slaying Abel. Why? Well, Abel was doing well. Cain was not. Something got in Cain's mind against Abel. And when the Lord asked Cain, hey, where's your brother? It's like, I'm not my brother's keeper. There was already something in his mind. There was something in his mind. There was a high place that had been constructed and erected that was going against what Cain knew to be right. What Cain knew, amen, how he knew to live. And, and he knew how to do well. But he chose not to because whatever he thought he knew was going against what he knew. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, we read the story of Saul embarking on a mission to attack and destroy Amalek. And God directed him to do this. 1 Samuel 15 verse 1, Samuel said unto Saul, amen, the old prophet Samuel, amen, that went with him up to the high place, anointed him to be king. Amen, the same prophet said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts: I remember that which Amalek did to this, to Israel; how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that he all that they have, and spare them not. But slay both men and women, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. I. So I don't want you to lay, leave anyone out there on the battlefield. I don't want you to leave any mother, any child in their bed. I don't want you to leave anyone. If they, have, if they have Amalekite blood, if that's a thing, kill them. Because of what they did to my people. Number one, there's a message right there that talks about how God defends his people. Amen I how he feels about those who go against his people Amen but in judgment to Amalek God was going to use Saul and Israel to bring judgment on the Amalekites And because Saul didn't completely obey Amen I there was something in Saul's mind that had built itself up Against what he knew to be the will of God. He had had allowed some construction to take place in his mind. Well, God said that. But did he really mean that? He told me to. He doesn't really understand where I'm at. We could have way more money perhaps if we had if we took on the the stock and cattle from Amalek how it would be such a testimony to the power of God if we had King Agag king of the Am- Amalekites locked up in prison anybody, anytime anybody wanted to question or challenge the power and might of Israel and the people of God just look at we took Amalek. We've got the king right here. I don't know what it was, but somehow he had convinced himself in his mind, and there was an imagination, amen, that had gone against what he knew to be the will of God. What he knew, like what he thought he knew, was going against what he really, really knew. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And so he made justification for what he was going to do. He said, all right, all right, guys, let's, let's not kill the king. I want the king for myself. Okay? Okay. And then, and then he blames the people. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 20, <clears throat> Saul said to Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Do what? And have gone the way which the Lord sent me, have brought Agag the king of Amalek, somehow he convinced himself that bringing the king of Amalek into the into Israel was obedience to the will of God and God said, kill Agag <clears throat> brought the, Agag the king of Amalek in, and have utterly destroyed the, Amal- the Amalekites I'm trying to look good in front of the prophet and then verse 21. But the people took the spoil. The people took the spoil. Sheep, oxen, chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Okay? So the people decided we're going to sacrifice to God. This is something that God wants. He loves sacrifices. He, he always desires sacrifices. So let's take the thing that God said to destroy, justify it by sacrificing it to Him. And so, the, according to Saul, the people took of the to spoil the sheep, oxen, the chief of the things that should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord thy God. I mean, somehow, I, I, don't, I don't understand how you can get to this place. I don't understand how these people can explain away. God said to utterly destroy them. Okay, well, maybe if we sacrifice them, that could be considered destroying them. But also, I'm giving God praise in the process. And also, I'll get the attention of all my friends. Amen. Somehow they arrived at this conclusion that a sacrifice was better than obedience. Somehow they arrived at this conclusion that my worship and what I look like and looking the part was better than truly obeying it. Friend, I want you to understand, amen, that whether or not you are obeying the word of God is really determined by you. Okay, and I know that's really a simplistic statement. But if you are not obeying the word of God, who's going to know that? God will know it. But you will also know it. Now, pastor may be led in in the loop, you know, by God. If God chooses to do so. But really, this is a commitment between you and God. This is a... This is... There shouldn't be anybody else in the picture. Whether or not you obey what you know to be true, what you know to be right, is really up to you. We have to cast down our imaginations. We have to take down brick by brick... Every thought that I have about Michaela. Every thought that I have about Sister Reba. Every imagination that I have about Tori and Sister Jasmine. The lies that have been placed there methodically by the enemy. That have been constructed there to so things look right. That when I come to church, everything looks the part. Everything looks fine. I really wish we could get to that place where obedience is so much more important than the high places in our life. That really, I don't care. What it looks like. I don't care if people see me doing it. Or if they don't. Because that's really not what it's about. When Jacob built that first altar. At Bethel. There was nobody there but him and God. And he laid there. That night. Woke up in the middle of the night. And there was a wrestling match that took place. And it changed Jacob. Changed him. Changed his name. Changed his identity. The only way we know about it is because it's recorded in Scripture. But nobody else knew that was going on that night. There was a real relationship being developed and contrived that night between Jacob and the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. It became personal with Jacob that night. Friend, you've got to build an altar. You've got to build a place that you can make a sacrifice to God every now and then. I'm not going against that by any means. I I think that is important. You better have an altar in your life. I better have an altar in my life. But friend, that is not for you to know or for you to know or for you to know. That's between me and my God. I'm building an altar. I'm building a relationship. I'm building co- i I'm, I'm not interested in going up to my high place so, so everybody can see how this is going. Amen, but in the middle of the night, when Sean goes to KU and there's some things going on, I find a place with a merciful god that i know can reach down touch his heart amen i watched him do it amen he was living in a dilapidated building maybe i shouldn't have said the name i don't know proper preacher etiquette i guess but i was i went to his place and there was the floors were literally eaten up by termites and it was caved in Paying $300 a month for a room in a shack. Didn't have any furniture, nothing. Amen. But one night after a youth service, and I'm not bragging about myself, but the Lord moved on me to pray for Sean. And then Larissa had a birthday party, not many days, a couple weeks after that. And Sean had texted me, and I said, hey man, why don't you come to Larissa's birthday party? And he showed up, and, and I think some others invited him as well. But he showed up, and that night, he invited me over there. And I, I, I didn't plan that. It, it was God was working. And then God brought him back, and thankful to the Lord for all that he did there. But I want you to understand, that is what God can do when you have an altar built. And you're using it for the right purpose. Amen, that when somebody that should be sitting on one of these pews is not sitting on one of these pews, he can move on you to make your way up to to that altar. It really should be an elevated place in your life. It should be a place that you respect and you honor and covet, but I don't want to use that because it'll play on words and confuse everybody. My point is that It ought to be a place where you're consistently in revere and you constantly go back to because that's where God can call you to. And He can use you in a situation where somebody is lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And instead of using our high places to build a fake image of what our brother and sister are, I mean, we can use that high place I mean, to pray them down, to bring them back to where they ought to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. We walk in the flesh. Do not war after the flesh. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal. This is a war. I don't know if you realize it or not. I'm sure Pastor... I know that he's taught on it in the past while I was here, but we better never lose sight of the fact that we're involved in a war. And if we if we lay down our weapons for even a moment, there's no telling what kind of devastation can ensue, can take place. Who's gonna do the fighting? If you don't, who's, who's going to take up the shield of faith on a Tuesday night when you don't really feel like it and protect this church against the fiery darts of the enemy? Who's going to draw the sword of the Spirit in prayer? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. man, I, I don't I don't know how I've gotten into all this. I just I'm not preaching against making a sacrifice because that is absolutely important, because it is a sacrifice of obedience. Amen. But it ought to be, ought to be made, not so f- folks could see it, but should be made out of a respect and re- re- relationship with God. Amen. Why don't we all stand tonight? Sister Rebecca, you can come. <clears throat> I don't know, I, I don't really want to just have a, a general altar call, corporate response. What I would like us to do is men come together, let's not kneel, but let's just stand together and pray with one another. Ladies, same deal. I don't know what you're going to going through. But I want to help you through it. I'm not concerned. About those imaginations that I've had about you. I'm casting those down. I'm going to my altar tonight. This is not where I planned on ending this up, but I feel like the Holy Ghost is in this. I mean, there are other parts that could be applied here. Amen, we need, we need to be obedient. Amen, there's, there's a standard. There's, a, there's truth that's being preached and, and we know those things. We know what they are. And we, we need to make that sacrifice of obedience. We need to be obedient. Amen, but right now I feel in the Holy Ghost that we need to cast down some imaginations. I don't care what so-and-so said. I don't care how they looked at you. Now, I hope you understand what I'm saying when I don't care. I, I'm not saying I don't care about you. I'm saying I don't I don't I don't want you you should not care. Should not that shouldn't have so much of an influence. You don't know they might have been having a bad day that day and they just were tired and their eyes were droopy and so they looked at you the wrong way. But the devil's wheelhouse is the mind of a saint. And he can do, he puts and constructs and builds and takes and builds up a high place. And then we go to church and, oh, I love you, Jesus. All the while, did you hear what she said about me? Did you hear what he said about me? Man, you cannot build a church that way. We want to have revival. I want to have revival. I want you to have revival. I pray every day this church would have revival. But the way revival begins is at an altar. Praying for one another. How are you going to have revival of souls if you don't care about anybody? Let's just talk to the Lord just for a moment. Men, why don't you come down on this side, ladies on this side, and just find somebody to pray with. You don't have to link up with everybody, but if you just want to find somebody you're comfortable with praying for, just pray with one another. We care about you. I care about each and every one of you. When revival comes, I want to see each and every one of you in this place. Come on, this is what revival looks like.